cap with Pete Pensalis of Hook One Bait and Tackle, and he has, also has his uh, his charter service as well. Pete, how you doing? Good, man. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, not too much. Actually, a lot, man. It's been kind of a crazy, crazy uh, past couple weeks. Um, you know, I, I for the listeners that are local to Michigan, I just want to you know recognize the the hurt and suffering going on in the community of Oxford. It's literally two miles away from the house, and um, well, yeah, I definitely want to uh, definitely be praying and, and keep keep the folks in Oxford High School students, faculty, and uh, the community in mind and in your prayers. Anyone that's praying, thoughts type. and prayers, man. Thoughts and yeah. prayers. I know at, at at a time like this, it's not enough. You know, yeah. there's not enough thoughts and prayers out there. It's tough, man, and it's unfortunate. But hopefully, we learn from it, right? We get better mm-hmm. from it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to acknowledge that any of the listeners in Michigan, you know, it's crappy time and everyone's affected by it in a different way, but I just want to acknowledge it. And, uh, well, that said, let's talk fishing, Pete. Um, Pete's a local yes. young gun here. Um, like I said, he owns hook one bait and tackle in Marine city, Michigan. He also owns, owns uh, hook one charters as well. And, uh, he's, uh, he's got his feet wet in the fishing industry and uh, he's making some moves in the St. Clair River area. Uh, for those of you ha- who haven't fished the Marine City area, the, the river tightens up a little bit and that current's pumping. <laughs> and one of the go-to guys, if you want to get out doing some walleye jigging or just fishing in that area, I highly recommend reaching out to Pete. So we're going to talk about his journey and uh, getting into the fishing industry. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about him and how he got doing what he's doing and uh, just talk fishing because, uh, you know, I want to do some local episodes focusing on the local fishery and local sticks so uh pete uh just wanted to welcome you to the podcast i know you oh i i also have to say pete and his uh his partner louie have an awesome podcast called the hook one pod you can find that on spotify itunes wherever you get the podcast i love listening to it like i said i'm local to st Clair, detroit river lake st Clair. and if you want more good info about uh, hardcore angling stuff definitely want to check it out it's hook one pod um anyways man uh Tell me a little bit about how you got into the uh, the store. So you got your your tackle shop in Marine City, Michigan, and I think one of the strengths about that, besides being able to just pull your boat up and dock and go pick up bait and stuff, right, is that mm-hmm. you you listen to the voice of the customer and you carry the stuff that people want, the cranks, the right spinners, and, and the the right jigging stuff for our local fishery. How you know? Um, walk us through how you got the idea um, to get your retail location where you're at. You know, I've always so. I guess we'll start at the beginning, right? I started Hook One Charters about five years ago, um, and we started the charter business. And for the first two years, I was always mobile, right? I was meeting people at boat launches, um, doing all that stuff. And I got I got tired of that. I wanted I saw what they were doing down, you know, um, in the Detroit River, and honestly, what they do around the country. A lot of these guys have you know marinas or, or home bases where they can go out of. And mm-hmm. our fishing is so good here for a majority of the year. Uh, I can launch right here in Marine City. So I would pass this this spot. So essentially where the Bell River dumps into the St. Clair River, I'm like the first building when you come out. And I used to pass this building all the time and it would be vacant. And I'm talking for the last six, seven, eight years, it'd be vacant. Mm-hmm. And I would always pass it. Excuse me. And I would always say, you know, if I ever get the chance, I'm going to try and try and get in that building. So finally, I, I don't know, man, I don't know what it was. It must've just meant to be, you know, we knew who owned the building, but they never really wanted to sell it. Um, they got a hold of us in the fall of 2020, kind of after COVID and, 
you know, they wanted us at first, it was kind of like a lease agreement, but I was telling them, you know, I'm going to have bait tanks. I'm going to have, you know, showcases in here. I'm going to tear up the walls with pegboard and with slat wall and all that stuff. Like I would rather not, um, I'd rather not lease it. So, you know, if we could find a way to buy it. So we kind of sat down, looked at, looked at the books and all that stuff. And in the meantime, I bought a house in November of 2019, um, talked to the fiance, you know, shout out to Allie. She's amazing uh, for letting this happen because basically I convinced her to sell the house. (laughs) So we sold our house. Um, We moved in upstairs in the bait shop. There's a two bedroom apartment upstairs. It's actually super nice. It's not like, you know, a trashy apartment. They did a really good job fixing it up. It's really nice up there. Yeah. Um, so we sold the house. We moved upstairs. We brought, brought the puppy upstairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I figured that's going to be the best way to do it. Because like you said, I want I want to be there all the time. And as you know, I have another job um, currently that's the restaurant business that my family's been in for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm back and forth. But now I'm finally getting to spend some more time in the shop. Um, and man, it's been awesome. We're coming to a close on our first year. We're coming up on Right now is my first uh, holiday season in retail. Mm-hmm. It's hectic. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. But uh, especially during COVID, I mean, you're mm-hmm. looking at long delays on everything. But mm-hmm. um, honestly, man, it's been really well. I think it's gone really well. We don't plan on doing that much ice fishing stuff. Uh, me and Louis sat down and kind of talked about it. We don't do a lot of ice fishing, right? When, yeah. when the water gets cold and when it gets cold, we start hunting for big walleye, steelhead. Uh, we get some brown trout in here in the fall that not many people know about. Honestly, they're pretty rare. They're tough to catch, mm-hmm. um, but they come up in the fall. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had some coho and stuff in here. It seems like they've kind of filtered out, but you you get some really different bites in the fall and not a lot of people know about it because they're sitting in a tree. So, yeah, I, I, I get that, man. Um, I sat in a tree and I sat in the blind for a little bit and uh, first season in a while, I haven't seen anything. So I was ready to get back out on the water. Um, it, it, tell you what, if, if the folks that, that haven't been to hook one tackle, um, you know, one of my favorite things is I'll, I'll roll up in there. I'll usually hook my boat up. I'll launch Marine city, hook my boat up. And if I need to reload on plastics or whatever, usually almost every time I kid you not, Allie's there, the puppy's there. So it, you feel like you're part of a family, which is, which is pretty awesome. And I've seen a couple of times you guys That's... are bringing in the carry out from the restaurant too. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh, just yeah. a cool well, we gotta feel. Eat. Yeah, we got to eat when we're trying to get this place set up and get it ready to go. And that, you know, that's something that really sold it on me. It's we're in an area that's got such good fishing and, you know, as well as I do. I mean, the bait stores that we have in the area are really good. Anglers mm-hmm. Point just opened a location there in Fairhaven. Super cool. Excited to see them. Um, Anglers Outfitter in St. Clair, they just closed. So it's really just me from Elgin to Port Huron. Yeah. Um, and then you got... Um, you got Joel Anderson up there at Anderson's probate. He does a good job. And then the guys at Jay's that are right there on the black river. Yeah. So there's really not, I mean, you could go down Detroit, you know, that just as well as I do, you can go down Detroit and stroll down Jefferson and you're going to pass one every probably quarter to half a mile. You know, there's some, there's some really nice bait shops in there. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was number one was, was getting, getting to be in a spot where the people need us because I, I know it just as well as they do. You know, it's not easy to get minnows before you head out or to get them before a bait shop closes. So now that we're here, you know, you can pull right up. We put a lot of time in putting ladders out there, putting bumpers out there. Yep. Um, and then, like you said, you were up there. You ran a couple trips. That's yep. what we want. You know, you saw the fillet station there. We cleaning bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the boat slip. That's what we want, man. We want clients out here um, enjoying their time. We want people enjoying their time. It's 
to me and Louie, it's so much more than just a, a bait and tackle shop. Cause to us, it's the bait and tackle shop. It's the charter business. We're going to plan on getting some kayaks in there and renting out kayaks and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a culture. You know what I mean? And that yeah. you're trying to, I'm trying to embrace that and have, have the people in the area embrace it. Yeah. I kind of miss that. And I think that's some, some gaps in our local area, Southeast Michigan, Great Lakes is you don't like, you don't have that small community based around the, the bait shops like you used anymore. We can go in and get reports. It, it ex- exists to some extent, but uh, to, where you, where you feel like you're part of like a, a fishing family, I, I think that that's kind of missing. And I think your move to, to get in where you're at to serve the, the customers that come fish in that entire region between, uh, you know, Algonac and all that on the American side of the St. Clair river. It's a good opportunity. And, and you're, you're trying to give back to the community too, by giving them a place where they, they feel like they're part of the fishing community. So I love that, man. Right. Um, I want to ask a little bit about like how you first got into fishing. And um, obviously, uh, you know, you, you guys, you and Allie are all in with this. You know, you made, you made, you took a risk. You, you sold the house that you got there and uh, it's awesome, man. Seeing her stand behind you and support you and, and you guys going in on that business. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your development, how you started getting fishing. And I want to learn about like how you got like the business mindset to say, yes, I want to make this a career. I want this to be my lifestyle. Right. So with, with the business mindset, like I said, my family's owned, um, my grandpa started the Riviera restaurant Marine or yeah, started the Riviera restaurant. It was a restaurant before that, but he started that in 1979. So, I mean, you're looking at 42 years. Uh, of being in the business. And my dad's always been in the business. So mm-hmm. it's funny, man, when he comes home, it's never direct talk, but it's always, I'm listening to uh, profit margins. I'm listening to food costs. I'm listening yeah. to how much a glass of Pepsi costs when mm-hmm. you can, you know what I mean? So that was always funny to me. Um, so I always knew that, you know, whatever I wanted to do, I could find a way to make money. Cause Rob, you know, just as well as I do, man, I'm not a charter captain, a bait shop owner. I don't plan on making a million dollars and retiring, you know, young, but mm-hmm. I get to do what I want to do. Yep. Um, so for me, I never really fished much um, up until about my sophomore year of high school, really. I was just so active in sports. I played football, basketball, baseball, um, and then I ended up running track in high school. So I was just so caught up doing that. Mm-hmm. And a good buddy of mine um, one day was like, hey, let's go out goose hunting. And I was like, all right, I'll go out goose hunting. You know what? What the hell? I've never shot a goose. Yeah. So we go out there. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm going to swear. My apologies. Speak um, quickly, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let's go out there. So we go out there, goose hunt. We set all the decoys. We sit out there for about five hours. Don't even see a goose. Don't even pick up a call. I was hooked. I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. being out there. I loved watching the sunset. I loved watching the other, like the other birds and stuff around it. And that's what kind of got me interested. Yeah. So there was a good buddy in my class, Cody. Um, who's like, Hey, why don't you come out with me and my dad? And I remember we went out and pulled crawler harnesses south of the Edison plant, 28 foot of water. And we absolutely smashed them. <laughs> absolutely smashed them. I'll never forget that. And yeah. I was like, this, this is what I want to do yeah. to the point where, like I said, I didn't really get into it until my sophomore year of high school, my senior year of high school, everyone spent senior skip day going to like Cedar point, um, doing what they wanted to do. Me and Cody spent senior skip day out on the river. We had our limit before lunch and said, ah, forget it. So we just cleaned our fish. We cleaned our fish and just had them for lunch and ended up skipping school. But, you know, we, there were any trips where we would go out because he always had a 14 foot with a, um, it was a 14 foot flat bottom and a surface drive on it. It's a duck hunt boat. Yeah. Take that thing out and run from freighter waves. Cause anyone that's been on the great lakes knows how close oh, those yeah. boat, those freighters gets you in the river. Oh yeah. So these freighters would come down river and we'd shoot upstream and man, we were chugging. Um, 
I haven't chugged in a long time, but that's how we learned how to fish was chugging and then a little bit of hand lining and whipping. And then we finally could put a trolling motor on the boat. So we started jigging. Um, and then my senior year, they, we went down on a trip to the Detroit river and we really did some vertical jigging down there. And that was really, you know, game set match as -hmm. far as what I wanted to do. Um, and then the charter thing really came to me on a family trip in Florida. Six of us went out. It was my dad, my cousins, my brother, uh, my uncle, six of us went out, man. I, I've never laughed and smiled and had such a good time. We were catching grouper and kingfish. And I remember just thinking to myself, cause the, <clears throat> anyone that's been on a charter knows like the captain and the first mate make your trip, right? Yep. This first mate was legendary, man. He was like, you know, this is what I do. I thought he was the coolest guy ever. He lived on a 22 foot sailboat in the middle of the ocean and he would <laughs> kayak to the Marina and hop on the boat. Uh-huh. I thought he was the coolest thing ever. I was like, that's awesome. So, um, long story short, I went to play football in college. Didn't, wasn't really my thing. It was a lot of work, man. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't top dog. So I kind of had to get my priorities figured out. You know, do I want to walk away crippled? Do I want to get out of it now? It's tough to walk away. Mm -hmm. Um, but I spent my college money on an 18 foot Lund and (laughs) it's a wrap from there, man. That ended up being my first guide boat. Mm -hmm. Um, I got my charter license when I was 19. So we're going on six, seven years with that. Um, and then, like I said, from the charters, I realized, you know, hey, this area needs a bait shop. Because like you said, I think the biggest thing is local bait shops. You know, you hear all the time, like, oh, your competition up the road or all oh, that. I don't, you know, every every area is different. You know that as well as I do. Those guys yeah. in Port Huron, they're fishing totally different. The current up there is seven miles an hour. Okay. They're selling three pound weights. They're selling stiff rods up there. They don't need that down in Algonac or Fairhaven, right? Where Angler's mm-hmm. Point just moved in. And where I'm at in Marine City, we're doing something totally different where we do a lot of vertical jigging. We do a lot of pulling crawler harnesses, but we also pull a lot of body baits in the spring. We catch a lot of salmon and trout doing that. Uh, do a lot of whipping and a lot of hand lining around here, mm-hmm. which is super unique. Um, and we do a lot of casting up here. The guys around here can do a lot more casting because the current's not so thick. So I've, I've noticed, you know, you got to get a lot smaller jigs. These guys are throwing quarter ounce jigs uh, in the slack current, but they're smacking them. Yep. You know, and I think that I think the biggest thing is with the local bait shops is how many Cabela's or Bass Pros have you been to with said three pound weight or with an ANS hand lining reel or you know, with the little spike spoons that they use for trolling or all the custom floating rapalas that you see at a lot of these custom bait shops. Yeah. I just think that's where, you know, you can set yourself apart because of course you can go to those, you know, big box stores and probably get it a little bit cheaper, Mm -hmm. but don't be, don't be complaining then when there's no one there to give you your fishing report or no one there to help you spool up your lines or when you ask questions, you know what I mean? Cause that's, that's really what sets us apart. And for any bait shop, man, that I've been to from Moe's in Detroit to Lakeside there on Jefferson up to Anderson's in Port Huron, they all know what they're talking about and they can help you get on the fish. I haven't mm-hmm. found that um, at retail stores that I go to all the time. Yeah, I don't think it's a knock on the the national chains, right? But there's something about having the local bait shops that no, they just never. plain plain have the pulse on the fishery, man. And it's it's more personal. It's it, you're supporting a small business, and I'm all about that when you can. So yeah, hundred. Um, you know, there's things that there's things that small bait shops will never be able to carry that those big box stores are going to carry, and yeah. there's a reason. 
don't get me wrong. I'm walking into Bass Pro and Cabela's and I'm walking out with a handful of flicker shads every single time mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. they're selling them like they're selling them for the price. I can buy them in the store. So I might mm-hmm. as well just get them there. So there, it's never a knock on the big box chain. Right. But, but it is a, a testament to, you know, the local bait shops that it's important that they're there. It's an importance that they stay there. Yeah, I think one of the one of the strengths of the local bait shops, uh, such as yourself and a couple of the other ones you mentioned, like Lakeside, uh, I think of Angler's Point, is, is they support Point. local community. They support like Lake St. Clair Walleye Association. They, 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 they've hosted us for stuff. That, that, that means the world to our club. And uh, by building relationships, uh, we strengthen the, the fishing community in our area in Southeast Michigan. I mean, it is no secret Southeast Michigan is like a walleye corridor and you know you got saginaw bay that's a totally different fishery and incredible one at that too they got their stores down there but um i mean uh, we're, yeah we're those stores to- down there franks and northwoods watch out buddy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> watch out buddy those get dangerous quick mm-hmm. but no you said it man between saginaw bay and lake erie is where we're nestled yep and it's just producing walleye at an unbelievable rate right now and and that's one thing that I love about the bait shop is that we're able to bring, you know, Louie and I, we eat, sleep, breathe fishing as a mm-hmm. lot of us do. Yep. You know, a lot of your clients don't do that. So when they come in, it's really cool to teach them like this year, man, we, we sold a ton of jigging spoons um, because they have so much more action in the summer, uh, vertical jigging and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So guys kind of got on that train. Um, like I said, we sold a lot more casting stuff this year. I heard a lot more guys casting um, jigs and Mr. Twisters and having success from smallmouth all the way to walleye. Mm-hmm. There's not many places, I've said it before, um, but there's not many places that you can catch the amount of fish and the species of fish that our areas offer. I mean, guys are out trolling, you know it, guys are out trolling walleye right now catching steelhead in Lake St. Clair. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy. They're that's not that's not common, man. That's not. No. We're very fortunate to be in the area we're in. We are. We're we're in a f- absolute fish factory, uh, not just for walleye, but a number of other species. And I can almost guarantee my charter clients that come out with me, and I'm sure you see the same thing when you're running charters, running trips, and uh, you're going to get multiple species. You never know when you're going to hook silver. Um, I haven't hooked silver this year, but that's not to say it can't happen. I mean, freaking uh, Clinton Rivers got steelhead. Uh, we get strays mm-hmm. from Lake Erie that come up. No secret. Lake Huron's got plenty of steel and silver fish. So when those water t- temps drop, um, they're going to be running through the different rivers, St. Clair, Detroit, Lake St. Clair. Um, it's a freaking corridor. So absolutely, we've really, we really got something special. For sure, man. And the DNR, I mean, they get a lot of they get a lot of flack from a lot of people for a lot of things. But mm-hmm. one thing is certain, and you you cannot, you can't talk against it. And it's funny because I hear a lot of people bashing them on, you know, the salmon this, the salmon that. Yeah, it's hard to find them, you know, in Lake Huron. It's it's so large and it's it's gonna take a while for it to take off. But I can tell you, just from jigging in the river the last two, three years, March to April, man, it's there's a lot of salmon in the system. There's a lot of salmon. You'll catch you'll catch those one to two pound jacks in the spring, March and April, and then they're catching those fish again out here. Um, it was really weird, actually. The end of September, beginning of October seemed to be the best. Yep. Those same jacks were four, five, six pounders. Heck yeah, they're these fish, man, and they mm-hmm. came back. So mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> I think people need to wait. You know, our our ecosystem and our fishery is still all transitioning. Zebra mussels, gobies, 
they're transitioned really well, but it's relatively new as far as, you know, the food chain and all that good stuff. So yeah. there's a lot of bait out there. So yeah. the, I think, I think we're, uh, I think we're in good shape. I think we're in good <laughs> shape. I'm excited for sure. I couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah, when, when you're hearing Pete and I talking and, and just, just an idea, like this, this podcast is going to be a conversation. So we're going to have a little bit of everything. We're going to talk a little bit about like the business of fishing and a little bit about the fishery and fishing itself. So, you know, there'll be a little bit of something for everyone. If you don't like the business stuff, you can just tune it out or fast forward. But I mean, the Pete and I, stuff's important, man. It is. It is it's important. Yeah. It's important for, it, it's important. I learned, I learned this being on the other side and everyone I talk to being on the other side, there's, there's issues and supply chain. There's all that stuff going on. Right. So until you figure out the business of it and how everything's working on the back end, it's, it's amazing what I'm learning day in and day out. And there's so many awesome people, um, mm -hmm. that I could thank for it between the distributors, um, and all the people really that bring in our local product. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there, the business side of it is super important because you never thought you never thought it is what it is. Um, you know, to most people, it's just hook and line, mm -hmm. but there's, there's a lot more on the backside for sure. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of moving pieces and, and in order for us to do what we do in our fishery, uh, we rely on those shops and, and getting, the, getting the product in. And there've been times where it, it's been difficult to find even like stinger hooks and stuff like that. So um, I, I couldn't mean, find a size eight treble hook uh, this year to tie stinger hooks. We almost sold out of stinger hooks in uh, in May alone, hmm. and I couldn't find a size eight treble hook for probably two three weeks. I want to say yikes! And you can say what you want about supply chain and shipment and all this stuff. Eagle claws are made right here in the U.S. You still couldn't get eagle claws, mm -hmm. so it's. I mean, it's it's the little stuff like that, but that you know the stinger hooks and and it's. All that, I don't want to call it niche stuff because everybody uses stinger hooks, right? But to us as jig fishermen and river fishermen, those are like essential. Oh, yeah. You know, that stuff you got to have on the wall because you're not able to go find, you know, it's not easy to go find those at other stores. That's right. that niche stuff that you've got to have. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, yeah, we're in order to be successful, you got to have the right stuff. And, um, you know, like you said, you, you can't just go to any store and get some of that niche stuff like hand lining weights or, uh, or stinger hooks that are properly rigged. So that's stiff enough to hold the, your size eight or size six, what, what not hook out there above your plastic. Exactly. Um, cause depending on where you fish, some of the Detroit river guys in Trenton channel, I don't like fishing there. It's really snaggy. You, everyone else can kind of have it, but those guys kind of bury that, that stinger hook in the back of the plastic. I like having more of the action on the plastic, uh, where I fish on the St. Clair river and the channels and everywhere else. I like to let it hang, man. But uh, yep. that's the vertical jigging game. That's one of the, the slip style uh, stinger. I mean, that that's bread and butter. You kind of almost don't even think about it. And yeah, it's it's. I think it was a local ingenuity. Um, you know, local guys thought about that and applied it to uh, Detroit River and, and St. Clair River. And we fish heavy jigs, man. That's how it's done. If it if it wasn't for the stinger hook, Rob, how many fish would we have lost this year? <clears throat> I mean, honestly, and missed. I mean, it was this year. I don't know if it was because it was so cold in the spring. Um, it took the St. Clair, at least us personally, it took the St. Clair River a long time to warm up. And mm -hmm. those fish were short biting into June. I mean, you were out there with us in June. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drifting yeah. out by the island. And, yep. and a majority of those fish were stinger fish. Yep. I would say only 30% of them actually choke the jig or I hit them on the main hook. So it's important, man, when, when they're spitting that out, you can, you can get that hook in there. So, um, Absolutely. again, just, um, just knowing the local, 
the fishery and getting the resources if you don't know talking to the right people that'll set you on the right path um so yeah i mean so you you, you kind of uh you were into the sport thing and then you got in um basically just being on the water and fell in love with it you went all in you started your your guide business and uh now you're running charters and you have a dedicated place to do it like literally you can go downstairs from where you live through the shop if you need stuff you can get it and you can run your trips and meet your clients right there um kind of talk about the experience of like guys that are hopping on the boat with you uh what they get to experience versus like you know I, and I and I do it too, man. Like I got to meet clients at different launches depending where the bite is, and that's that's the nature of the game. You got that's find all where, of us. Yeah, but um, tell us about um, maybe some of that experience of just being able to meet guys right, literally in your backyard. You know, it's 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 relieving. I I, I guess is the word because it's I hated the launch. I hated how stressful the launches were. I hated how fast um you had to move because you have clients there. I mean. Rob, there were times where, you know, my first couple of years, I would show up to the launch, not expecting a busy line on say a Wednesday morning, but there's a line. Mm-hmm. And my clients are sitting on the dock with their coolers, holding their jackets in their hand. And I'm sitting there looking out my window, like, oh, hang on, I'm backing it down. That mm-hmm. I can't I stand it. that. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't like it. And I have to do it. I mean, come July, the fish aren't in Marine City anymore. I've got to mm-hmm. move. Yep. So I'm going to Algonac. I'm going um, out to Harley, you know. <clears throat> to fish the lake. So mm-hmm. I I still have to do it, but being able to have the headquarters here and having clients be able to just show up here, we got bathrooms, uh, worst case scenario, we got showers. If you need them, mm-hmm. we got snacks and drinks in the shop. Um, everything that we're using on the charter boat we've got in the shop. So, you know, we take out a lot of fishermen ourselves that are just trying to learn the ropes yeah, or they're trying to figure it out for themselves. And we're happy to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can go out. We're using the exact same jigs and the exact same plastics that I got on the shelves right here. So they can head out, fish with us, come back in, come back in and get their gear. And then the coolest thing about it is, um, you know, as well as I do, we build a really good relationship with a lot of our clients, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really cool being able to talk to those clients a couple weeks from after we go out and they're sending me catch pictures like, Hey, you know, we got this fish on your jigs. Like, thank you. Or, yeah. you know, Hey, thanks for helping us learn how to stay vertical because that's bear, man. Trying to stay vertical in the current's a bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what a lot of folks don't realize, um, and maybe some do, uh, but the current varies. It could vary even from uh, like a quarter mile away from different spots within the St. Clair River. It's it pumping in different areas, and it you varies. can hug in on rivers, or I'm sorry, the, the islands, and you get slack and stuff like yep. that. And then you got the middle grounds and stuff. So, man, there's so many different ways to play it. And um, yeah, it's just getting hands-on experience and learning with someone that knows it happened in the boat. I don't care if it's a buddy um, or just someone like you, you meet on like a Facebook group to hop in the boat, butt in the seat sort of thing, or going in with a charter captain. It's a great resource just to, to learn the fisheries. Yeah, man, I got a, I have a lot, you know, and I'm actually surprised a lot of my clients are um, fishermen semi-locally. Or mm-hmm. you get guys, you know, from Grand Rapids, um, from the city area that come out that want to learn. Because like you said, over here, you know, in the St. Clair River, it's it's a lot different than the Detroit River. A mm-hmm. lot different. Typically, it's on average, it's a lot faster than Detroit. Yep. Um, usually fishing a lot deeper than Detroit. And if you think the Detroit, uh, excuse me, if you think the Detroit River gets blue, then you got to see this water. I mean, our water is clean. Yep. Small fluorocarbon leaders, you know, try to downsize on your jigs, but sometimes it's tough. And then, like you said, you could be fishing, you could be fishing the island where you're moving really slow 
And next thing you know, you get to the other side of that island in the same drift and the current's going to bump up about a half mile an hour. Mm-hmm. So it, it's getting to figure that out um, and learning one boat control is yeah. the most important thing, but then learning how to fish it uh, is super important because you could be drifting right over those fish and not even know it. Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple of things I wanted to talk about. Um, unique nuances of St. Clair. And I think you, you kind of hit it with the river. Um, it's a much cleaner river. And then for, I love the vertical jig, man. Like if I'm running a, a trip with people, friends or whatnot, that just want to get out fishing, jigging so fun. So hands-on. Um, yep. I, I'll be honest, man. If I'm fishing that river, I know some of my go-tos, I'm going to put alloyf on there, smelt. So like the most natural looking plastics, if I'm running a minnow profile, um, you That's know, it. May through June. Arkansas man, you, shiner. Yep. Glow belly. Um, I'll throw that one yeah, out. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you what, those guys at um, uh, Motor City Minnow, the Wyandotte Lure Company, they came mm-hmm. out with a golden goby. We just got it in the store. I think that one's going to be money next year. It's got a little bit of a purplish hue on it. It's not, it's a little, it's similar to the Arkansas Shiner, but it's got like a purplish hue on it mm-hmm. and it's got some bigger flakes and it's going to mimic a goby. Goby is, I mean, between goby and deep smelt, are probably our number one baits around here. Mm-hmm. And people probably hear me say that and say, no, it's not smelt. No, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, for all those guys dipping smelt that don't think they're around and, and they think the smelt are dead and extinct, they're not. Mm-mm. They've Whether they've adapted or evolved, I don't know what it is. They're smarter than us. They're running the channels in 40 to 50 foot of water, and we're catching walleye that are just puking them up. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And, oh. and some nice ones. Nice oh, yeah. ones, oh, yeah. but they don't run. They don't run like they used to on on the side anymore or on the seawalls. They're running the middle of the channel where they know they're safe. Yep, on um, a calmer day, man, you can see them on the side can, the side scan and stuff. I I see oh, yeah. it, and then into your point, man. Like when I've caught multiple fish, uh, like in May June time frame, they're spitting up smelt. No doubt. Yeah, in and all the way, all the way into the south channel, all the way into the south channel, heading to the lake. I mean, we're mm-hmm. fishing those deep holes. You're fishing fifty foot of water. Some of you listening might know where we're talking about, <laughs> but, but you're fishing those, you're fishing those deep holes and those fish are spitting up smell. And I thought that was amazing because we know, I mean, I noticed that that was probably about five, six years ago. Um, cause I was fishing the South channel hard. We would get up, we would get up cause you know how it gets in the summer. You got to be there before the sun. We would be up at four in the morning, launching by four 30 out to our spot, four 45, five o'clock limited by six 30, <laughs> but yep. And with a, a bunch of dinks, you know, but they taste good. Um, but all those fish are spitting up smelt. And from then on, I was like, man, that's interesting. And you start paying attention because a lot of people just pass it off as big emerald shiners. You really got to look at that, you know, and I, that's something I'll tell people, you know, pay attention when you're cleaning fish, look, look what's in their stomach, look what they're eating on, go back out and replicate that and watch what happens. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so um, I'm a big believer in, in looking at what and let the fish tell you what they want. And, and you know, guys like Pete and myself that spend some time on the river, we notice these things. We pick up these patterns. So we pick the plastics that have those more natural colors that just plain gets us bit in this area, right? So um, the, other, the other dimension, which I think is pretty important, I think the walleye industry is just starting to really get it, is the use and application of bait scent. So you can put it on your soft plastics. Uh, I run Procure myself. I use the Super gels um in fact if i believe you're one of the newer distributors within michigan from a retail standpoint um selling the super gels so 
like I'll put a little dab of that smelt stuff on my smelt plastics and I get them smoked and yeah. Emerald shiner. There's ton. I mean, man, you're, you're on one of the, what the black river, right? I was getting uh, confused. Bell. The bell. bell. I was yep, getting the mixed up. Yep. So, so man, the black rivers up there in Port Huron and you yep. got the pine um, in St. Clair. And then you got us really the farthest South, as far as the tributaries, um, the bell. Mm-hmm. So, Gotcha. Um, but yeah, you know, as well as me, man, in those smaller tribs, you'll see tons of gizzard shad, you'll see mm. emerald shiners and stuff. And um, I, th- I think you got a pretty good mix of the different scents at, at your shop. So I, I run like procure the gizzard shad, I run the emerald shiner trophy walleye. And uh, you got them now for guys that especially in the colder, yeah. the colder water, the colder weather scent makes a big difference. Fish smelling like vermilion. It yep. does, man. It does. We got um here. We got trophy walleye. We got trophy perch, goby, gizzard shad, emerald shiner, uh, and smelt. So yep. essentially, we went with all the all the naturals. Now, once we roll around to summer, um, we're gonna get some of their crawfish ones and stuff like that for the bass guys. Um, I've used a couple different scents. Um, you actually gave me a bottle of your Procure one time, yeah, and I tried it out. The thing I like about the Procure, man, whether you're using it on soft plastic or like we had it. Um, gooed up on some of the hit sticks and bandits the other day. Mm-hmm. It does not come off easy. You, mm-hmm. you know that as well as I do. It's not just going to fall off. You actually have to, um, you actually, if you use it, I highly suggest, and I know you have some really good videos on it. Um, I highly suggest cleaning your baits afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't let to. them crust on there. Yeah. No. Because it, it is pretty cool. But, you know, we've been messing with fish scent or with the scents. Um, obviously, we use a lot of minnows, a lot of live bait with the jigging. Mm-hmm. You've got to be really careful with that, though, uh, Rob. Not a lot of guys think about it too much, but where we are, uh, I think it's important to talk to some listeners. We we split the river and the lake with Canada. So mm-hmm. St. Clair River, Lake St. Clair, Detroit River. Yep. We split it all with Canada. So we can only fish half the river unless we buy an Ontario license and go fish their side. Well, mm-hmm. if we fish their side, we play by their rules. Their rules say that we can't bring live minnows over there. Yeah. Um, I've had guys busted for it. I've had guys busted for it for as much as a hundred dollars a minnow. Oh, I got a story about yeah. live bait in Canada. I was fishing. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to carry, I'm going to go on with mine. I was going to say, so what I suggest is obviously buy bait, right? I'm the tackle shop owner. No, <laughs> but what I suggest is, and we, we will sell it here in the spring. Uh, I know other bait shops have it too, but you can salt those minnows. Um, and then when you take them over to Canada, but like you said, I, I would just avoid that hassle, mm-hmm. grab a bottle of scent, whatever your favorite scent is. I suggest Procure. I know you suggest Procure, but we're biased. Yep. Um, yep. Slap that on and it, it really does make a difference. A lot of guys say it doesn't make a difference, but let's be honest. You could drop down a Bud Light bottle cap in May and catch a fish. Mm-hmm. The scents make a difference when you need it to make a difference. You know right. what I mean? When you need to get bit and when it's more of a challenging bite, I play with the different scent profiles, but uh, so yeah. What'd you do? Bring some minnows across no, the border? It wasn't me. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to mention, I was fishing an event and it is a tournament circuit that has, shares the same name as our state. And I'm, uh, it was in, I think 2019. And uh, uh, my dad and, and my brother-in-law we were fishing in an area and we're, you know, we're all from USA. We're in Canadian waters and, and knowing the law, the Ontario Ministry of uh, Natural Resources, you can't bring live bait into uh, <laughs> Ontario. Well, I'm watching my competitors from USA bring live bait and tip in their plastics and stuff. I'm not going to say names, but there are a couple guys that plays better than me, and, and and we did pretty well, and they were tipping. But I'm not petty. I'm not going to dime them out or anything, and it was in the past, but just uh, you got to be careful, man. 
money's on the line. You don't want to pay a ticket. So, yeah, I mean, no, you don't want to pay a ticket. And the last thing you want to do, even if money's not on the line, you don't want to go out with your, you know, your nephew and your kid or whatever the situation is, yeah. and all of a sudden get pulled over and get popped for it. And I get it. I get it if they don't want us to bring a minnow from the Great Lakes into one of their inland lakes. It is a mm-hmm. frustrating rule mm-hmm. because let's be honest, if there's if if there's a west wind, our minnows are going over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's true. It is what it is. You got to follow the law, right? Whether you like it or not, you just got to be careful with it. Yep. Um, and that's where I think sense are kind of changing the game a little bit. You don't have to take that risk. Yep, absolutely. And there's times where just straight up bait out produces. So it's it's important if you're going to go out and you're going to fish USA type uh, locations, you know, especially early season, late season, grab that live bait. Cause it might make a difference of putting a few more fish in the boat. Just saying, it's just, like I said, it's just, it's worth a heads up. Um, I always, I'm never going to tell one of my customers that comes in here and buys bait that he can't go over to Canada and fish with them. I tell him that he shouldn't. And I tell him the rules, the laws mm-hmm. that it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously they do what they want to do, but it's, it's just something cause you wouldn't really think about it if you're fishing, you know, say we're fishing the state side the whole time and it's slow and mm-hmm. we just shoot over for one drift. Well, Ooh. yeah, all it takes. That's all so, it takes, man. Just it's a heads what... up. That's all. Friendly reminder. Yep. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about some more of the nuance of the St. Clair River. Um, you know, Lake St. Clair, no secret, loaded full of walleyes, but the St. Clair River, I'm talking like years before, oh, man, there used to be like a river division in a lake division for the for the club derbies and stuff and the guys in the St. Clair would smoke the lake guys and I'm speaking history way before I was involved in the club um probably right on the transition when my dad came on board and started fishing with the club but yeah. uh man wow how, how do I say it man I feel like the St. Clair River doesn't get the love and attention like it used to uh from Dude. from the local guys I mean obviously there's, there's some guys that like freaking live on the river and they pound it and they're constantly getting good fish but like there's there's like oh I'll say it oh geez like I'm thinking like a Stan Bidlos guy yeah who, uh, I mean, they call him Stag Island Stan the handliner he he headed down the different bite windows at different times during the night in the morning where to go and there's big fish at the night and I'm guilty of not going and checking out I, I know where those areas are um but it's it's it, to me it's almost easier to like I know I can I can crank up some decent fish on the lake. Um, oh yeah, so I I feel like some of the knowledge um, hasn't I'm not gonna say it hasn't been passed down, but like the resource hasn't been tapped to to get the big fish bites going on the river. They're there. There's there's walleyes in that system all year round, and and it takes different nuanced approaches with that clean water, light fluorocarbon leader, more natural baits. I personally find that I have to use them a little bit more of aggressive jig stroke than I would Detroit river early in the season. Um, so th- there's all these little nuances that come into what makes the St. Clair river unique. I mean, you never know what you'll get out of there. Um, right. So, I mean, I yeah. think there's a few things to it. I think there's a few things. One um, it's definitely not known for the size um, that you get down in Detroit, but to be mm-hmm. frank with you, man, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. They were cranking out 10 pounders down there, but since then, it's, it's been getting tough down there. Um, one, I think because the last two years we haven't been in Canada. Uh, I think there are obviously huge fish in the Detroit river over there, um, oh, yeah. but it's warmer. I think that's the big thing. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. You know, the Detroit river starts really about two weeks before we do um, the water in Lake St. Clair warms up faster. It flows right into Detroit. You get warmer water in yeah. um, a year like this year, which is, un- you know, we get predominantly Southwest winds. This year, our spring was all Northeast winds. So, Mm -hmm. 
you know, our river was like, we already talked about earlier. Our river was freezing this year. We were catching fish in June when the water temperature was 50 degrees and you, you put your hand on the fish and it's frozen. Oh yeah. I remember that. It's frozen. Yeah. So it's like our, the, I guess the, the, all those (laughs) things leading up to it, um, make it a little different, but you're right. A lot of people shy away. You just look up charter captains in Michigan and watch how many pop up on the Detroit River. Um, oh yeah. I know. I know. Really, really, two or three guys that are full time here. You got um, Finn's charter with Anthony Morrisini. Mm-hmm. Um, super great guy. Very good. Um, and then you get Dreamcatcher's charter with Connor Barr, who spends a lot of time down here. Um, but he also spends a lot of time uh, down in Detroit. So, and I know I'm missing some captains. So if, if someone's guiding on the river, I do apologize, but there's not many. That's my point. There's not yeah. many. And the fishing here is phenomenal. I know some locals will probably get mad at me for saying that because obviously we've been seeing increased pressure every year, mm-hmm. but the increased pressure, man, whether you want to believe it or not, it either makes you a better fisherman or it makes you a worse fisherman. You're yep. either going to shut down or you're going to find a way to put fish in the boat. And for example, you know, the, the, the last two years I mentioned have been tough because we have been restricted to American side only. Yep. And you know, as well as I do, we fish a lot more in the Canadian side of the river. There's a mm-hmm. lot more boats on our side. Always. Oh, yeah. Always has been. Mm-hmm. So the pressure's there. We had some really, really good days out fishing this year at spots that I never thought I'd try on colors that I never thought I'd try. Mm-hmm. on um, cadences that I never thought I'd try, but you do it and you catch fish. And then you realize that you start catching more fish. It makes you a better fisherman because you have to adapt. The fish are always going to adapt. They've mm-hmm. been adapting for as long as they've been around. Yep. So they've seen, they've seen all the baits, you know what I mean? So you have to adapt. No. Um, there are big fish in the river. There was a couple 10 pounders caught this year. I'm willing to bet next spring is going to be a big year. Uh, I think it might be like a, a coming out party of sorts for the St. Clair river. Yeah. I, I just think it's going to be hit, man. I, a lot of people are interested in it. A lot of people like the scenery down here. Cause it's not downtown, right? You got, you've got, you've got houses, you've got state parks, you've got um, islands that are just trees and stuff. I mean, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You've got the crystal clear, beautiful water down here. Yep. So I think you're going to, I think we're going to continue to see an increase in guys coming down here. Yeah. Um, as far as the OGs, there's some OGs that walk in the shop and that come by this, that would outfish 99% of the guys I know mm-hmm. in this river. You yeah. put them somewhere else and they're not catching a fish, yeah. but in this river, in this river, they know it like the back of their hand, man. And this river's tough. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a, it's fast. It's deep. There's a lot of snags. Um, but if you know how to fish it and you know how to fish those snags, like you said, those OGs, man, they'll be going out. And you know what's funny about them is they're still so old school. They go out at three in the morning. They're back at six o'clock. Nobody mm-hmm. talks to them. Nobody gets a fishing report. Nobody see. Yeah, that's it. They're ghosts, yeah. and they're pounding, pounding mm-hmm. big fish. Yes. And and the reason I think you know you talk about all the nuances, and we talk about all the new stuff that's been coming out, right? From live scope um, to all the new rods to all the new bait techniques. But you forget about the traditional stuff that's worked forever, mm-hmm. right? Like hand lining. Hand lining's worked since the days of the Native Americans rowing canoes on the Detroit River for the fur trade. Like that's it dates back to that. Yeah. It's it's worked forever. And yet 
guys kind of forget about it. And we did a podcast um, on the hook one pod. I had my buddy Cody that got me into it. I had him in because mm-hmm. he started, he's been fishing MWTs for, you know, he's about my age, but he's been fishing them since he's been young. So probably four or five years, you're starting to see, and you'll admit it, you're starting to see a lot more hand lining reels on these uh, shiny glittery glass glass boats mm-hmm. and it's fun it's funny to see that because the only thing you need to handline is a 14 foot boat and a 10 horse motor <laughs> it's true um so it's funny man you see it come full circle you you, mm-hmm. you use your electronics all this new age all this new age stuff you can use your electronics and you use these really nice rods and really nice reels that they come out with but at the same time don't forget what got us there and i think that's the big thing you know i don't think guys are asking enough questions I, if I get an old timer in here, man, I got nothing better to do. I'm sitting back here. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm probably sitting them down for like 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. We got, I got nothing Download else to talk about. The info. Yeah. That's it, man. I got nothing else to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you catch your fish? What do you catch your fish on? You know, it's, it's crazy to me. These guys got it down. Rob, these guys have it down to a science that they want to use the Rapala F9 from Finland. They don't want it from anywhere. Don't else. want the Irish they don't ones. Want it from Ireland? No. Yep. They don't want it from Ireland. They don't yep. want it from Denmark. They don't. Why do you want it from Finland? Because it wobbles better. Why do they know that? Because they catch that many fish. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. They put and the, the time history in. around here. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Time on the water. We say that all the time, Louie and I. You, you cannot beat time on the water. Um, mm-hmm. and the history around here is just rich, man. Like, um, for all the guys that musky fish, Ziggy that makes Ziggy's lures. He's probably a quarter mile down the road and he makes some of the best musky lures in the country, you know, hand carved. Mm-hmm. I've seen his workshop. I've seen it done. The ANS hand reels are around here. Um, mm-hmm. The night stalker pencil plugs and all that stuff. There's so much history and, in, in, in ways to catch fish, yeah. but it all gets passed up by the new technology that comes out every single year. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, tell you what, one thing I'm proud and, and I have family that lives in Algonac and live on the river. Um, I'm proud to run some of that old school stuff. Like my hand lining reels, I have shalers and I, I have a small collection of different yes. stuff, like, but hands in hand, like hands down, I'm running a shaler and, and it's so cool to look at your hand lining reel and it's, you know, leaf spring all spun up and, and you look at that old stamp on there and that sticker, it says made in Algonac, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's our area. So, I mean, yeah, man. It, it's, it, it's, it's something special. And then I, you know, I, I brought that out to like some of my, my friends in uh, Minnesota, like, what the heck is that? Well, let me show you. So it's, it's so cool. I mean, people that come here, uh, you gotta, if you're trying, you're fishing a tournament or you're just getting, getting out there to learn and, and you gotta be a, a willing to adapt. And, uh, you know, it makes, make some friends, connect with people on social media, the different groups and stuff, go to tackle shop, ask questions, go to something like Lake St. Clair Walleye Association where you can ask people and learn the fisheries. Nine times out of 10, people are going to help you because they want to want you to get into the sport. And we've seen the sport fishing industry explode with COVID because it's almost like, uh, you know, people are bored sitting at home and playing video games. They'd rather be on, you know, in the outdoors. And, you should be bored playing video games. Yeah, I, I don't have time for that anymore. I'm either changing diapers, working, or if I can sneak uh, out, I'm fishing. Oh, diapers, that's scary. I don't yeah. have time for that either. No, fishing no. in the shop. <laughs> yeah, well, in, enjoy the uh, engaged life and the married life for a little bit, and then when you're ready, it'll happen. But oh yeah, yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be great to have that little the little buddy in the boat. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. when that time comes, whether it's a boy or a girl, you know they're they're gonna grow up living the same lifestyle that we are, and 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 it's fortunate. I say that all the time, man. We are very fortunate to be able to 
get to do the stuff that we're able to do and be in the area we are, whether you're a deer hunter, a duck hunter, or obviously all the fishermen that listen to this, mm-hmm. you can catch anything from salmon in the spring to walleye. Uh, nobody talks about it, but while the walleye runs going on, you can catch absolutely monster sunfish um, all over Lake St. Clair, just yep. like 10 inch bluegills. That's you can't do that many places. Mm. Then it rolls around to summer where you're catching trophy smallmouth and muskie, and then into fall where it's sturgeon, and then back to your walleye again. Man, it's we're very we're very lucky. So you know, for someone like me that's grown up in Marine City, and I'm a river rat. You know, that was even when we me and Louie did May Madness this year. We pre-fished the river. We were gonna win or lose in that river, and we mm. lost in the river. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what we do. We jig. We know we would, we feel a lot more comfortable out there. And then there's guys like yourself and a lot of guys, you know, that's really why I joined the club, uh, is I wanted to meet, meet the guys that fish Lake St. Clair. I don't know. You know, I didn't know the first thing about trolling. I didn't even understand. I figured the more line you let out to your planer board, your lure dove deeper. So when I first got into it, so, you know, that's one thing that I can say is like, join a club or like you said, join the Facebook groups. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I do get a small, a very small portion of people that come into the shop that, you know, they know everything. They, they're going to get what they're going to get. And they're going to go out fishing. I learn things. I'm out on the water. Come the spring, I'm out on the water six, seven days a week. And yeah. I learned things from someone that learned how to walleye fish three days ago. Yeah. Because oh it's just gosh. little things that they pick up that I would never even think about. Yeah. That we they get set in our ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you just, if you just sit back and open your ears and just take it in a little bit, um, there's, there's always something to learn. There's a lot of garbage out there, Rob, you know, it as well as I do. Oh yeah. And the other thing is confidence. Someone can tell you something. I guarantee you, you could go out there and catch a limit on pimp daddy. I'm not going to tell you. You can't, I guarantee yeah. you, you can. Oh, yeah. I'm not using it. Cause it's not natural. <laughs> I just, I just you know bought I mean? that color for the first time, uh, two weeks ago. I've never run it. I know guys love it. I I've got my I've other out, confidence baits. I've been out fished on that color. Six zero. Before I've, before I'm finally like, all right, fine. I'll put it on. You know what I mean? It's like, but it's just, like you said, it's confidence. If I don't have confidence in the bait, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to stick to what I have confidence in. And so, you know, it's funny when I go down to Detroit, the baits that I have tied on, I go down there and I'll see these guys with these bright chartreuses, bright oranges, um, all blacks. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I'm always down there running antifreeze and alewife, antifreeze and Arkansas shine or glow belly. You know, I got. Um, that Royal D color from motor city minnow is really good. We got some mm-hmm. thumpums in here. Um, there's this color that he makes June bug ice. I think that's my go-to man. It's like a purple on the top and a white on the bottom. Mm-hmm. That one's been killer for us, Yeah. but it's just it's funny to see how it all kind of differs. Um, yeah. even just a couple miles apart. Yeah. It, it's crazy, man. There, there's little nuances and even two different rivers separated by uh, one of the, I won't even, I won't call it a great lake cause it's not a great lake, but St. Clair, Lake St. Clair is a great lakes connecting waterway. Just that little difference uh, makes a big difference in presentation colors and, and whatnot. Um, man, I'll tell you what mm-hmm. I got, um, you, you mentioned those motor city minnows. There's like, um, like a Wyandotte worm style bait that had that golden goby with like the pepper black flake and then the translucent Brown and like the white that you'd see in like an Arkansas oh, shiner. We got it. <sighs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Gotta Natural love baits. The worms, man. You yeah. gotta love the worm baits. They just a lot of guys overlook them. Free flop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just, 
you know, a lot of guys are like, you know, I, I don't know why they're targeting a worm. It's not really as much targeting a worm. They're targeting a thinner bait profile. So when those fish start feeding on, you know, the smaller emerald shiners and stuff like the four inch, the four inch fork tails are amazing all of early spring because those fish are feeding on fat shiners. Um, but as summer rolls on, your bait's going to start to downsize a little bit. Think about that when you're jigging, you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. they're not going to want that big bait and that worm isn't necessary. It doesn't look like a flopping worm to the fish. Mm-hmm. It's more so representing that, that slim profile, but the, the tail is what's killer on it. The tail with that motion is what's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to your point, man, like summer, and I feel like there, there's another, uh, another, a plethora of topics, but one one theme I've heard repeated is downsizing baits from other guys that do uh, podcasts and social media and all that. But uh, I've been quietly doing this for a while, but I've been running smaller style crankbaits like a Flicker Shad size nine and like a like a custom perch I use from Renegade um, Outdoor Innovations. But anyways, the, 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 for whatever reason, the smaller baits in the summer. I, I do great on them. The times where I don't get bit on the, the bigger baits, I'm always experimenting with different colors, bait profiles, because that's going to get you bit. If you just sit there and, and uh, wash the paint off bait, uh, you're not fishing. I mean, you're, 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 exactly. you're washing paint, man. So Those, yeah. It, it, a summer. Yeah. The summer on Lake St. Clair, I think you nailed it, man. The summer, summer fishing on Lake St. Clair, you throw out a flicker shed nine or seven and downsize your baits. You're going to catch everything from walleye to pike to small. I mean, it's, Downsizing baits can do something pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. You're right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And we can and- talk a lot about that fishing them. You know, you can kind of dial them in over the weeds a little bit better than those big bill bandits and stuff. You can figure it out. Cause anyone that fishes Lake St. Clair better figure out how to fish over weeds. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Otherwise and- it's trouble. Yeah. The, the other thing I'll say about the smaller, uh, the flicker series or any, any sort of like small crankbait is uh, typically um, you can get away with running them at like a speed wooden, you could run crawler harnesses. So earlier in like June, um, I don't necessarily do it later in the summer, but I'll run, I'll run my crawlers at one five and I'll, I might stick one or two uh, flicker minnows, the smaller nines and stuff out there. And, and they'll set the standard, they'll set the pace. And then if I'm getting more bites on those smaller cranks rather than the spinners, I might, I might just switch things out. So don't be afraid to kind of play with different things in your spreads and stuff. And, and, uh, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, increased fishing pressure. You can either get pissed off by it, or you can push yourself to think outside of the box and dial in the program. That's what's exciting about fishing with me. And I think that's part of the journey, a lifelong journey is, uh, fishing the conditions, fishing the day, not just fishing memories. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it's cool. You said that because, and I get caught fishing memories a lot. Um, but it, you realize like that'll start to come back and bite you. Oh, yeah. You've got to fishing memories is great. Having, you know, having some guys like I, I myself keep like a journal or like a log of, of when, you know, when we go out, how our days are, depending on weather, temperature, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get caught fishing memories so much that it's like the signs are smacking you in the face. The fish are here. Yep. But since you caught them at, you know, spot a that's where you're going to go back and fish. So I think you're right. You definitely have to do that, but you hit on some of the lifelong memories. And that's like my, that's my favorite thing about fishing. Like I said it, you'll never be too good. You'll never Mm -hmm. be the best ever. There's, there will always be someone else that's hungrier. There'll always be someone else that's out there fishing. And to be honest with you, man, I, I don't think it's about being the best. It's more about being the best version of what you can do. Yeah. Cause what's the comp if you're not in a tournament, what's the competition? 
what does it matter if you go out there and you catch your 18 fish in two hours and, you know, Joe and whatever boat caught their 18 fish in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You don't, you didn't drive all that way to fish for 45 minutes. You don't pay that boat payment to fish for 45 minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're out there. Don't worry about all that stuff. Like you said, fish, do what you want to do. Learn what you want to learn. I take an hour. You know, my thing is you should probably take an hour out of every trip and do something you haven't done before, whether it's use a color you haven't done before, whether it's, um, you know, you're not really used to casting, maybe pull up to a spot and try casting. Maybe it's not even getting a rod in the water. Maybe it's just driving around with your electronics, you yeah. know, figuring it out. Spend spend a half hour to an hour doing something that you've never done before and you'll start getting good at it. But you can't get good at it if you don't do it. Yeah, great you point, know? man. You got to push yourself. If you want to grow in the sport, you got to push yourself to, to learn things you're not comfortable with. That's how you build the confidence and that's how you build confidence to catch fish when other times it's just plain difficult or other guys aren't. So um, it's always changing from, from rods and from rods and reels to baits to bait styles. Because like we said, the fish are always, always changing. I think that's, what's so cool about being in the shop and being in the tackle industry um, on the business side of things is like I said, this is what I, this is what I want to do. So I'm, you know, I'm that nerd that's got all the sites on Facebook. I'm seeing all the new stuff drop every day. Yep. Right. So I get to bring that to the public that they don't usually get to see or they're not used to seeing. I can't tell mm-hmm. you how many like people from Marine City walked in here. You know, thanks for being here. You know, thanks for being open. Thanks for helping so us. Cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool because you they want to learn. They want to do it. And so many people, you know, have, have told me on the way, oh, you know, it won't work. Or, you know, you want to sell that stuff. You want to sell the expensive stuff. It won't work. I sell more high end rods than I do cheap rods. I sell more nice reels than I do cheap reels because guys. If they learn how to do it, they want it. They want to learn how to do it. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that in a sense of like, you know, uh, an economy sense or like a money sense that these guys got money. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is they're willing to learn and they're willing to, to spend the money to go out and do it, but they're not going to spend the money and do it if no one's going to help them or no one's going to help them along the way. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I think that's important. It, it is. It is. And, and uh, you know, I think you've, you've put yourself in a good location to, to help the local fishery. And uh, I mean, I, I live an hour away from Lake St. Clair and the St. Clair River, but there's there's bait sets you have that I just simply can't find anywhere else. So I'll go out of my way to get some of those custom painted bandits and stuff like that at your shop. So um, guys, if, if, um, if you haven't checked out Pete's shop, it's Hook One Bait and Tackle. And uh, I believe you can find yourself on uh, on your Facebook page. Um, do you have a website as well? I don't have a website yet. Um, okay. It's currently being built right now. Um, it's it's a bear. Said it before. You know, there's just so much. There's so much. That's the one thing about the business side that's so funny is like you get into it and you're like, all right, I need these. Well, that's wrong. You need five different sizes of those. You need 20 different colors of those. Mm-hmm. Now you need to get a bunch of different ones so you don't just have one. So yeah. it's funny, but like, that's, that's the thing about the website that I never thought about is it's, it's so in depth, yeah. you know, is, is cause I want people to be able to order on there. Um, a big thing is though, is we want people to come in the store. We want people to come check us out. We want people to pull up on their boats. Um, that's, that's why we're here. That's why we chose this spot specifically. Um, but we're excited for it, man. We're super excited for it. I think Louis, um, starts captain's class on Saturday. So he's going to go for eight days and, and get that taken care of. So hook one charters will have two boats mm-hmm. running, which is super exciting. Um, and then obviously the tackle shop's doing its thing and we're not going to stop, man. We got, we want to do some derbies coming up next spring. We want to, 
see if we can piece together a tournament. I know it won't be easy. I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you for some help. Yeah. Um, I know I talked to a couple guys about, I really want to put together a derby. You see those derbies um, down in Ohio, like the football on the wall. I slam. Mm-hmm. There's no reason we can't do it here. Yeah. Um, I think obviously you'd need to have a wide range. Uh, I know some guys on the club mentioned it too. They were on to something, but that one thing that I've taken is those guys want that they want derbies. They want tournaments. They, they want to be included. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. So I think that's something that we're really excited to bring. And I know other bait shops are going to bring it too, man. I, like yeah. I said, I talked to the guys up in Port Huron. I talked to them. Uh, I was in Angler's Point the other day for their grand opening there in their Fairhaven store. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool, man. I think, I think what happens is, you know, when someone like Louie and I come in uh, and we're young and we're dumb and we want to do everything, it's a good thing because not only does it push us to do it, but it's going to push other shops to do it. It's going to push other people to do it. And it's going to, you know, ultimately bring, bring that community closer together for us. Yeah. It's a win-win for everyone. And we all push each other to be better. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a competition thing. Um, speaking of Louie, he, he's, in, he's getting in class. And if I have a good idea, he's probably fish. He's not fishing, but he's learning from the captain of captains, <laughs> Captain Mel from Great Lakes Charter Training. I think you took your, your, uh, your, uh, master up to 100 ton class through Captain Mel. Um, I know I did. And uh, probably one of the most valuable classes I've ever taken. I, I did it nine days straight. I took time off. Um, I learned so much about navigating the Great Lakes. Um, you know, some of like the Western rivers, like the Mississippi and stuff. And what do those buoys actually mean? Right of way, yep. safety stuff. And man, like, even if you don't want to be a charter captain, I think Louie's going to, I mean, he, you're going to, you're going to relive your memories and live vicariously through him as you talk to him. But, uh, man, That's tell you it, what, man. I mean, you can't go wrong. One thing about the captain, I think you can't go wrong getting that license. I, the, the opportunities that come up, it's not just fishing, but yep. the knowledge that I took in that class and opportunities that I've had outside of that and meeting the people I've got to meet, driving the boats that I've got to drive. I can't afford half the boat I drove. Mm-hmm. But it's cool driving them because, you know, I, I, yeah. So it's opportunities are there. Um, take, if, if, if you're thinking about doing it, take the time off work. Now it's eight days, eight days, nine to six. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, eight full days, do it. Yep. Uh, the one thing I'll, I'll say also is uh, for, in, in, and I got to choose how I wanted to schedule it, but if you wanted to do the class like weekends, Captain Mel and his crew will help work with you. So uh, um, I just can't say enough. You gotta, about you gotta Captain hit that. Mel. Yeah. You just got to hit that hour threshold and yep. Mel will do everything in his power. You, you, if you fail, if you somehow, some way fail that class, you tried harder to fail it than you did to pass it because right. Mel's that I'm telling you, Mel's that good. The, him and his crew give you the confidence to pass the test. Even if you think you're not good at school and stuff like that. And I know when I think you can say the same thing, I could call Mel probably not right now. It's kind of late, but I could, I could, you probably, could. The guy. you probably could. And to this day, man, he still helps me if I have questions about uh, filling out the paperwork for the, for the coast guard. But yeah, if yep. anyone's ever thought about, you know, uh, transportation with boats, charter boat stuff, or, uh, or just learning more about the Great Lakes and, and being a better mariner. Uh, Great Lakes Charter Training. They got a Facebook page and also glctraining.com. Um, I, it's important, d- Rob. Done a you lot, know as man. well as I do. Yeah, you know as mm-hmm. well as I do. There's more and more boats on the water every year. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, some of those people probably shouldn't be behind the wheel. I, I don't mean to say that disrespectfully. Yeah. I mean to say that like they're in a hurry. They don't know what they're doing. They're not 
They're not used to being out on the water. The Great Lakes isn't a place to mess around. The Great Lakes isn't really a place to learn unless you're you're adequately ready to do it. You have to have the right safety measures in the boat and you have to have an idea of what's going on because if you try to go out there in July, August, you're going to get run over by a pleasure boater. If you come out there anytime from March in, into June, you're going to get, you know, there's, there's fishermen everywhere. Yep. So learn slowly, listen to people, take your time, but you're right, man. I think going to the class and becoming a better mariner is very important. One for keeping your clients safe, but keeping yourself safe on the water too, because there's always going to be people on the water. There's always going to be people with more money than us and bigger boats than us. Yep. And they don't care where we're fishing at and they don't care where we're at. So you just got to be careful out there, man. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, here's a fun tip learning about, uh, uh, what are they? I believe Captain Mel said that 200 meter power driven vessel. You're not like, driving I, a charter boat. You're driving a 200 meter power driven vessel. Yes. <laughs> so man, like li living on the river, you see these, these huge freighters go uh, down the river and how many times are you fishing and you're jigging? I'm not knocking people, but guys aren't paying attention. And that, that freighter gets like right up on them. They're not paying attention. So uh, here's a thing that a free lesson. You don't even have to take the class. If you hear a freighter or any boat, give five short blasts. That is a distress signal. They do not know your intention. Get out of the way. Um, and those things are really quiet, man. So if, if you're, if you haven't fished the area before doing vertical jigging or whatnot, keep your head on a swivel, always look for those freighters because it's a lot easier for you to move your 21 foot boat than it is for them. They're giant freighters. Give them the respect. And that's, yeah, man, that's one thing. The fish are going to be there when the freighter goes over and mm -hmm. I get it that it's not a big deal. I've been that guy. Oh, it's not a big deal. I've got time. I've got time until you actually talk to these guys that drive these ships, Rob, it stresses them out, man. Mm -hmm. They get, they get legitimately scared when boats don't move in front of them because they're in a river. They can't move. Mm -mm. They've got, they've got a whole crew that they're responsible for. So if they move and hit a seawall or get lodged up on sandbar or whatever, they're, they're in trouble. They've got their own crew to take care of. Yeah. Um, and they can't stop for you. So they don't know that you're fishing. They don't know that you're going to get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Move your drift. The freighter will go by. You'll get back in your drift. Life's good. You know, mm -hmm. but to put, I've talked to a couple of guys out there and to put them what they go through. And it's, it's for 47 miles, man. It's the whole stretch of the river. And that doesn't even include the Detroit River. That's from Lake St. Clair to Lake Huron that they got to deal with that. So mm -hmm. do them a favor. Yeah, that's our PSA. Especially, that's our PSA. Uh, I think one, and, and I've heard it from uh, from captains of the bigger vessels. One of the most stressful pinch points in the Great Lakes is that shipping channel on Lake St. Clair. It is so narrow, and sometimes you see two vessels cross, one downbound, one upbound against yeah. the current. Um, they pay care. people great money to drive those ships just through the rivers themselves yeah, and to get pilots. back off to pilot them. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just because other other captains can't do it. Yeah. You can't so. turn those things on the dime. And if you're, if guys, if you fish the shipping channel area and I do it all the time, give those guys plenty of space because I don't care how much bow thruster they give it and give it rudder. Uh, it is so hard for them to maneuver that tight little channel. It is very narrow, especially if you're driving a big boat. And if you got two crossing at the same time, give them all the space they need. So yep. some nuances to the great lakes, man, you got to love it. Um, That's yeah. it, man. Yeah. So, uh, man, I can't thank That's you enough it. for coming up on the, on the podcast, talking a little bit about yourself and then, um, how you're able to give back to the fishing community and help grow the community in Marine city and, uh, share your love for fishing through 
the shop and you literally live, eat and sleep fishing. You go downstairs, <laughs> you run in the, the tackle <laughs> shop and uh, you, you run the charters too. So uh, this is Pete of Hook One Bait and Tackle and also Hook One Charters and a great guy. If you ever need info about fishing the river, you want to check it out. Great wealth of knowledge. Reach out to him. And man, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and uh, hope to hope to see you soon. I need to come up there and load up on some custom baits. It's about time, man. Rob, I can't thank you enough for having me. Um, let me talk a little bit about the shop. I hope I didn't ramble on too long um, for the listeners, but you know, it's been, it's been a great journey. Um, if I, if I hadn't met you, um, Van Tor, Mike Demansky, all those guys in the club, um, you know, I wouldn't be able to be doing a lot of the stuff that I'm doing if it wasn't for the, our customers, all that good stuff. So Thank it's you. a big team effort. Louie and I are just here to, to help steer this ship in the right direction. And like I said, mm-hmm. we got a lot to do. Um, Anyone that's looking for us, you can find us on Facebook at Hook One Bait and Tackle. My Instagram was hacked and stolen, so we don't have an Instagram anymore. Uh, um, so yeah, find us on Facebook. Check us out our podcast if you have time at the Hook One Pod. Yes. Um, and then yeah, man. Any questions or concerns? My cell phone's out there. My email's out there. Get a hold of me. And then uh, Rob, we'll be fishing real soon, man. We got some fat walleyes to troll up on the lake mm, here for yep. ice heads. We got to make sure it doesn't ice up. We'll uh, we'll crack some of it with the STX or the or, the, or your that's boat. That's the too. aluminum boat power. That's the aluminum boat power, man. We'll put the Polar Craft or the STX out there, and we'll ram some ice. It won't stop yeah. us. Nope. <laughs> well, man, I can't thank you enough, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Have a great night, and uh, see you later, everybody.